Selamat datang semuanya. I'm Alan Hallowell, and this is Indotechno. Welcome one and all to the kickoff of season four of the Indotechno podcast. We hope you all had an enjoyable and reinvigorating holiday season. With this, the first podcast of the new year, we wanted to sharpen our focus on neighborhood commerce in Indonesia. The country has over 25 million neighborhood businesses, representing an estimated 40% or $450 billion of Indonesia's GDP. Today, we're pleased to have join us Marshall Silver, who has spent much of his recent career devoted to Indonesia's small proprietorships. He's most recently the founder of Dekat Gita, a platform which seeks to be the online channel of choice for neighborhood commerce in Indonesia. Dekat Gita for non-Indonesian speakers means near us. Welcome, Marshall. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Alan. Big fan of the podcast. Thanks for having me on. You're very kind and you're very welcome. Now, what is Dekat Gita and what is your vision for the company? So our vision is to build the online marketplace for middle-class consumers in Indonesia to discover high-quality neighborhood businesses and transact with them as seamlessly as in e-commerce or food delivery purchases. Got you. So tell us about the inspiration behind Dekat Gita and who you're building it for more specifically. As you mentioned, up to 40% of Indonesia's economy is driven by the 25 million or so micro-businesses run within residential neighborhoods, making it a very attractive and very underserved segment. In recent years, the digitization of these businesses has exploded at a 29% CAGR over the pandemic. However, current platforms like Shopee, Grab, Gojek don't cater well to the micro-business needs. On the other side of the equation, the growing middle class in Indonesia expected to number 135 million by 2030 is seeing an explosion in digital behaviors with a 17% CAGR for e-commerce GMV. And now, sandwiched between the economic downturn and the end of subsidies on incumbent e-commerce platforms, they're increasingly drawn to the authenticity and value-for-money offering from neighborhood businesses. Thanks for putting some facts and figures and growth trajectories behind this. Now, in building your vision for Dukat Gita, a category of hidden gems merchants is a core focus I've read in your literature. Can you elaborate? What is the hidden gem? Yeah, so in curating the best experience for shoppers, Dekat Kita Marketplace features these hidden gems, typically one-person businesses offering an outstanding product, but limited in some aspect of their operations. We believe that unlocking the potential of these businesses and helping them scale through operational support, like marketing, payment, and logistics, is a very low-cost way to drive growth for these businesses and commensurately for Dekat Kita. And so among our 5,000 merchants, we saw revenue growth of three to tenfold within a mere few months of some of them joining the Katkita store. And this really demonstrates the transformative potential of these very simple businesses applying basic business tools to drive tremendous growth. Understood. Wow. You really are willing to work with some of the smallest of these entrepreneurs in categories that you think are very promising. Moreover, it sounds like you're trying to create a turnkey solution, if I'm not mistaken. Can you give us specific examples of the hidden gem? Oh, sure. So to be clear, we do focus on the highest performing among the micro businesses and beyond just their current revenue per month. 
we have certain traits that we identify that help us understand which businesses have the greatest potential to grow in that explosive way, given the right technology tools and support. So it's not for everybody. There has to be a strong motivation and a lot of capabilities for their business for them to shine. But beyond just pleasing the buyers, we really love seeing the impact on these merchants and their families. For example, one of the hidden gems that we've encountered, Buhani in Bogor, runs a catering business selling bento boxes of trendy rice dishes. She had previously been listed on Grab Food and Go Food, but they didn't fit her needs very well, as many of her orders are bulk purchases of dozens of bentos, which require for her advance notice or pre-orders. So she saw within Dekatkita 10x revenue growth within five months after she started using Dekatkita store. And that transformed her one-person catering business into a scaled operation with several employees. You know, she stopped listing on the other food delivery platforms. But more importantly, her $2,000 per month cash flow enabled her to afford long-awaited eye surgery for her father-in-law and to buy a car for her family. And we believe that there are tens of thousands of businesses and stories like this waiting to be discovered, that they just need more visibility to shoppers. And we see that there's a virtuous cycle in which... We help these hidden gem businesses and drive a lot of growth for them. And this drives Dekatkita's growth. And not only that, though, but it also helps the shoppers because the shoppers benefit from accessing great products at low prices, but also it gives them some, you could say, bragging rights about discovering these hidden gems in their neighborhoods earlier than anyone else. And you also get some visibility into the lives and stories behind these businesses giving our marketplace more of a heart that you can't find elsewhere. Now, in our past discussions, you've talked about the two phases of building Dekatkita over the, I guess, short to medium term. What are these two phases? Yeah, so phase one, we introduced Dekatkita store last fall. And Dekatkita store is basically a Shopify storefront for merchants, allowing them to list their product catalog, then create and share about their business to social media. But now that we have over 5,000 merchants on board in Dekatkita store, we're ready to move to phase two. And from this large database of merchants, we're able to identify high potential merchants and create a curated experience for shoppers in making a selected group of those stores discoverable in a hyper-local, location-based discovery marketplace. So the Kakita marketplace allows shoppers to discover and interact with high-quality neighborhood businesses and transact with them as seamlessly as on Grab or GoFood or e-commerce platforms. Now, Marshall, what is our business model and what would investors find most attractive about it? We make a small margin from online payments and third-party logistics. Our goal is to keep our fees low to avoid giving merchants and shoppers reason to bypass us. We've tested our merchant pool for willingness to pay for business support services, such as marketing, logistics, and payments. And we've even collected payments for these services. So the response in our pilot with our merchants has been robust, with over 20% upgrading from a free store to a paid service. So we found that merchants making over $700 US per month from their business are very comfortable paying $10 to $12 per month for marketing support. And we modeled that in the marketplace, Dekatkita can make over $250 Singapore dollars per month for each of the high-performing merchants. What is the most attractive part of our model? We spend very little on merchant acquisition and shopper acquisition, instead relying on their organic sharing behavior to drive acquisition and marketplace traffic. 
And this allows us to build Jakobkita towards profitability as we scale without requiring a large and long investment period. Understood. So do you anticipate the investor thinking about this as a take-rate-based business model? Or how are they going to think about that revenue generation? Yeah, so we're planning to introduce marketplace fees. So like a discoverability fee. So the basic Dekatkita store, the merchant is sharing their store to their social contacts, to their social media. And we're not going to charge them a take rate on that because that's from their own efforts. We will charge for use of premium features like payments and delivery. And we make a small margin from those. But in the marketplace where we become the bridge of trust from the shopper to the merchant, we're introducing a discoverability fee. But it's not going to be like grab-and-go food where 30%, because that becomes like a prohibitive tax on most of the activity that you would look for. But rather, it'll be something low single digits. But we're still testing what level that would be. But the goal is to not give them reason to go around us. Makes eminent sense. Let's talk a little more about the profile of your key merchants in your marketplace. You did bring up an example of someone who is in the food and beverage space. Yeah. So can you spend a little more time talking about who our key merchant groups are? Yeah, absolutely. So while we have a 5,000 strong merchant database with a very diverse long tail of products and services, uh, we find that about 70% are offering F&B. And so for the marketplace, we're curating a pool, roughly around 500 merchants that are discoverable at launch. And focusing around fresh foods, catering businesses, and snacks, but also including a few household services like laundry, grocery ordering, some war rooms actually listed, but many. And within this, uh, these segments, we're focusing our merchant acquisition on the top 20%, I would say, of neighborhood merchants, rough monthly revenue of around 3,000 US dollars. And these are the more established, high-performing stars within the neighborhood business segment. The hidden gems that I've described typically are starting at a much lower level, but we've seen with those businesses their potential to quickly scale to several thousand dollars in monthly sales, just with the right enablement, the right tools. Now, Marshall, it seems as though many platforms that seek to support and advance the Indonesian SME have found it hard to monetize these customers. You clearly have found reason to expect a more encouraging pattern of response from your SME customers. That's right. We're acutely aware of those challenges. And that's why we focus our effort on the most lucrative segments of the micro businesses, the top 20% or roughly 5 million neighborhood businesses, as this subset of the market is generally more tech savvy and more open to experimentation. We classify merchants not just based on the revenue per month, but we also identify the traits that make some merchants more likely to succeed quickly on Kita and become lucrative partners with us. And just generally by focusing our effort on these merchants, we have been able to tailor our solutions for their stage of business. And from that, we're able to see greater willingness to pay for the services that we're offering. Gotcha. Now, you've referenced some of the larger players in the broader Indonesian market a couple of times so far. Let's talk about them a little more. Where does our value proposition fit relative to a Grab or a GoFood? Yeah, so the key differentiation, products listed in the Kita marketplace are in the range of 20 to 30% cheaper than equivalents on Grab and GoFood. And we have a lot more of the mom and pop hidden gem type businesses that I've described before. So 
Shoppers in the Kapkita marketplace can browse and order food just like those other platforms, but because we don't charge merchants as much, they don't mark up their prices on the Kapkita, so shoppers get a better deal. And similarly, the point I alluded to earlier with reference to Buhani's catering business, Grab and GoFood don't address the workflow needs of merchants that require advance notice for orders. And this is actually a very widespread use case in Indonesia, especially among the middle class. Now, we talk about a focus on bringing the small merchant online, offering productivity tools, etc. These elements seem also to overlap with C2C or consumer-to-consumer platforms such as Shopee, Bukalapak, Tokopedia, not to name the newer, quote-unquote, social commerce players such as Evermos, Super, and others. Why is the Dukatkita model more relevant and superior than these other categories of commerce players? Yeah, so we think that C2C platforms like Shopee, Tokopedia, they very efficiently serve nationwide commerce in Indonesia. But for nearby commerce, merchants selling goods and services that are optimal for customers within their cities or within a few kilometers away, the only e-commerce option for them is to list on platforms like Grab and GoFood or GrabMart, GoMart, which charge very high take rates. And for most of these businesses, that's not viable as their margins aren't sufficient to sustain that. So they're left behind and relegated to using generally WhatsApp to sell. But WhatsApp is just not a very effective place to do commerce, and it's not effective at reaching new customers. That's why we've chosen to focus on nearby commerce, which is a bit distinct from these other offerings. Understood. Now, for those of our overseas audience who would maybe seek comparison with U.S., Chinese, European, or other players in those markets, in order to pinpoint what we are doing, what overseas companies do we resemble most and how? So I think the closest U.S. equivalent would be the marketplace features on Facebook or on Nextdoor. But you'd have to imagine that this is a world in which one in five of your neighbors is operating a thriving small business with high turnover, frequent product innovation. So it's some cultural differences from what you would see there. That does paint a picture. Now, I got to know you, Marshall, during the three and a half years that you were chief commercial officer at Red Doors which is Southeast Asia's largest tech-based budget hotel chain. What connections exist between your work there and what you're doing at Katkita now? So Red Doors is built for the Gen Z and millennials of the rising middle class in Indonesia. The Katkita is targeting that same demographic of shoppers, the tech-savvy but cost-conscious. Since my time at Red Doors, I've seen younger colleagues getting married, having kids, moving out to Perumahan communities, And we see the same audience, the same shopper behaviors, just a few years further along in their careers and life. That's the target shopper demographic in Dikapkita. Got you. Now, you mentioned this briefly earlier in our discussion, but how costly is it to find and onboard sellers? And same question goes for your buyers. How do you find them and how much does it cost to find them and convert them? Yeah, so the key to our model is really around keeping costs low because you have in Indonesia's UMKM, it's a huge addressable market, but generally operating at a low cost, low dollar value point. And so we focus on how to acquire them and engage with them at the lowest cost possible. And the key aspect 
of being able to do that is making our product simple and approachable for them. So it reduces the amount of time that our team needs to spend with them. So we can find and onboard sellers at an extremely low cost, roughly USD 250 per merchant, $2.50 per merchant, to be clear. And for Dukatkita store, we spend nothing on acquiring the buyers as they come from the merchant social sharing. It's 100% driven by the merchants sharing into WhatsApp status, into Instagram, and any other social media that they use to drive traffic to their store and lead to sales. And in Marketplace, aside from initial launch costs, we're promoting awareness by aligning ourselves with food bloggers who appreciate uncovering the hidden gems among the mom-and-pop businesses in Dukatkita. So these are zero-cost partnerships that we're doing to drive shopper awareness in Marketplace. Understood. Now, I know you personally do have been quite tireless in seeking the ever-important product market fit. In fact, I don't know of many other entrepreneurs as dogged in modifying and tweaking their business model. There must be some really interesting anecdotes, theses that worked, some that didn't, funny discoveries. Could you share with us some more color into what process led you to what we're talking about today, the Katkita in 2023? Yeah, so the key thread is that we just listened to users, observed their behavior. We had started with more of a social focus, but we quickly realized that the most critical pain points relate to commerce. And Dukatkita is built around improving the workflow, existing workflow, existing behavior of neighborhood merchants and adding the minimal amount of complexity for users. One key thing is some aspects of life are quite universal. So I would wonder how much I want to get to know my neighbors socially. And I have a lot of second thoughts about that. And similarly, people in Indonesia, that was how they reacted to the first iteration of our product. They have a lot of mixed feelings about getting to know their neighbors socially, more so than they already have. So that's part of our realization that the social vision for the Katkita at the outset was just a step towards the right direction. Now, Marshall, the Indonesian small merchant seems to have been no less than spoiled with an ever-growing and improving array of logistical solutions. We've, in fact, had a number of these logistical players come on the podcast, and they really now have a wide array of pretty impressive third-party logistics solutions or 3PL partners. How does Dekatkita approach logistics for its merchants? Yeah, so for now, we're using an API from an aggregator service called ByteShip. And this enables us to offer many of those delivery options from each of the major 3PL providers. Our focus is on scale and reducing any inefficiencies to drive the best possible price for the merchants. Candidly, many of the merchants are overwhelmed by the selection and find that to become a pain point, just considering which of the different merchants they should go with. So we actually try to whittle down the offerings to them as far as how we portray the choices to the merchants. Agreed, it's actually too complicated just to the set of options available to them. But we generally focus on Grab Express and GoSend. I guess it's a good time either to ask you this, Marshall. What is your biggest goal for 2023 for the business? Yeah, so what we want to achieve in 2023, in Q1, we're launching our marketplace in Malang, which is our first city in Indonesia, our focal city. And we want to see healthy marketplace dynamics within a few months of launch. We want to see a number of our merchants with Dekatkita as their main source of revenue. And we want to see a strong repeat behavior from the shoppers. 
because from Malang, we already have several thousand Dekat Kita stores in Bandung and Bogor. And so those are natural cities for us to expand into next for the marketplace launch. We want to see how we can make the marketplace as effective as possible at driving change and results for our merchant partners and for creating a satisfying and excellent seamless experience for shoppers. And if we can achieve that, then we have a very clear path for expanding through the rest of Java into potentially other parts of Indonesia where the bulk of the UMKM population lives. Marshall, it has been great to finally bring you on the podcast. You've got some really, truly refreshing strategies in enabling the local merchant that we haven't heard of previously. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks so much, Alan. Really a pleasure to be on. We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Indotechno podcast with us. Terima kasih. Sampai jumpa lagi.